Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. Welcome to week one of our brand new series, Ask Any Question. How many of you have questions? <laughs> I'm not calling on any of you. So how many of you have questions? There you go. Lots more people raise their hand. At first you were like, I don't want him to ask. Right? Um, I wrote a few things down, things that we're hearing, things that we're getting text in. I would really encourage you to text some things in that you have questions about. We want to answer them, like Gail said, from a biblical perspective and standpoint. There's a lot of opinions out there, right? But you have to settle that there's an absolute truth in life. If you don't settle if there's an absolute truth, then anything that comes along might persuade you to turn one way or the other. And, the, you know, the, the, the Bible speaks of that. It says that, you know, that people are tossed about, right, like every wave of the wind, every wave of the ocean that comes, right, that people are tossed about. You've got to settle on what's going to be the authority of your life. And I'm just encouraging you, the Bible hasn't changed since it's enti- since the beginning. And so I want you to understand that we have something that is the directive for our life. Come on, everybody. And God has given us this book as a tool. This 66 books is the canon we know as scripture to guide our life, to, to allow us to live after it. And so that's, that's, that's where we find, it's what we follow, it's, it's where we find inspiration, it's where we find direction, it's where we find the, the, the rules of life, if you will, to guide us, because God knows better than we know, come on everybody, He knows more than we know, and He knows what's coming, and we don't know what's coming, right? If I knew what was coming, I'd have done it different, you would have too, right? If you knew what was coming, your stocks would be different. Right, your investments would look different. If you knew what was coming, lots of things in life would look different. And so it's, it's something that we can guide our life after. So some of the questions that we got, I thought I would just share with you some of the things that we're talking about. And you might ask, well, why are we doing this kind of series? Well, Jesus did this. He often asked, what, where are people at? What's going on in the culture, right? And not that he didn't know. He did know. But he wanted to hear from them and respond to what their heart was asking. And I think it's really important that we do the same. Moms and dads, do you answer questions? Or you just say, you'll learn in time. Right? Sometimes we have to say that, right? But most of the time we want to give a, an age-appropriate answer to that child's questions when they come up. Some of the questions that we've received are these. Uh, why do bad things happen to innocent, defenseless children? Right? It's a question that we have. It's a question that we might answer during this series. Why do some people speak in tongues and others don't? Why do, do I have to tithe as a Christian? Do, do I find God's purpose in my life instead of just doing what I enjoy? How do I do that? How, how can I share my faith not in a weird way? Because you've seen people share their faith in a weird way, right? Right, everybody? Right? The Westboro Baptist Church people? They're wackos. They're not just weird. They're evil. <laughs> okay? So uh, we're going we're gonna to answer the questions that you might have. So I really encourage you, participate, jump in, ask the question. There's no question that's too to what you might see, what you might think is elementary or complex. There's no answer in either way. It's it's all it's all things that we 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 need to know. We're growing, right? And one thing I love about this church, this church is not a, a church of a bunch of people that know it all. Okay? We're a bunch of people that don't know much. Let's look around. No, we do know some things, but we're learning and growing and we're lear- learning along the way. Right? We're maturing on this path that we call life. And so I want to encourage you that as you're here, as you go along the week, text message some questions in. We're going to take the most popular ones and we'll answer them. I'll probably answer all of them, right, on, a, on Facebook or something like that. But we won't have time to answer every question as a whole sermon, right, as a whole weekend. But today, I want to start with a, an extremely popular question, the one that we've, getting, we've gotten the most. And over the years when I've done a series like this, it is the most popular thing ever. And that is about our purpose 
for a living. Ask any question. Here's, here's the question that I settled with is this. What will you do with the rest of your life? What are you going to do with the rest of your life, the rest of your days? If I were to ask you, who was the most successful king in all of Scripture, undoubtedly a lot of people would say it's a guy named David, right? A guy named David. David was powerful. David was, he was a young, just brilliant leader. He was a great leader, right? But he was an incredible king. He did, he did some really good things. David was successful. Some other people might say it's not David, it's Solomon, right? Solomon was the most, he was the wealthiest king, right? He was the richest king in all of Israel. He's the he was the, the wisest man to ever live, the Bible says. He was, the wisdom that, that, that flowed from this guy was ridiculous. But actually, the most successful king in the Bible, in all the Bible, was a guy named Hezekiah. Hezekiah. And the Bible teaches about him, talks about him in, in, in Kings chapter 18, 2 Kings chapter 18. And if you grab some notes when you came in, the, the passage is there. I'm, I'm going to read out the New Living this morning in this passage here. It says this, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. He was a young guy, right? He was a young guy. In fact, pretty often young guys became king. David was fairly young when he became king. And it says he did, he, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He, oh, let me say this, he, he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. So he, he became king young, he, he had a pretty extensive reign in Israel, and he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Hezekiah trusted the Lord. How many know that's a good thing to do? And there was never another king like him in the land of Judah. Now, stop right there. How many believe the Bible? Okay. If we believe the Bible is the inspired, infallible word of God, that every word of Scripture was, has meaning and purpose, right? That is a huge statement. Think about what we just read. It says there, there was never another king like him in the land of Judah. And then it says, either before or after his time, he remained faithful to the Lord in everything. And he carefully obeyed all the commands that the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful. Check this out. In everything, say everything. Everything he did. How many of you are like, that is not me? Right? There are some things that I am just not successful at. Like, like weight loss. Why are you laughing, Mike? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. No, like, like there's some things that we're not successful at. There's some areas of all of our life that, that that's just not us, right? I, I can imagine being successful, but I can't. I can't fully imagine it because I've not lived it out. I've not, I've, I haven't been successful in everything that I've done. I'm, I'm certainly not. You're not either. Let's be honest, right? And the, the Bible says that this guy was successful in everything that he did. And it says he was successful because he always did what God wanted him to do. By the way, if you want to know if you've been successful in everything you've done, just ask your family. They'll tell you the truth. Right? You'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm successful. You're like, your wife's like, nope. Socks on the floor by the hamper, not in the hamper. Right? Toothpaste still on the sink, not washed down the sink. Come on. Come on, ladies. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying. Right? Now, Hezekiah lived this amazing life, but then the unusual, an unusual thing happened to him. He's living this life, and he gets sick. Along the journey, he gets a terminal illness. He's not just sick. He's going to die. Right? It, it's going to be his time to go. And interesting things happens, and God tells him, which this, this doesn't happen to all of us, but God gives him a heads up, hey, buddy, you're about to die. Now, I think we do know that Scripture says 
that it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. So here's the, here's the, here's the reality. We're all going to die. Okay? Unless the rapture happens and we're out of here. Right? And I'm all for that. Right? I'm going to save on some caskets. All the things. But uh, God tells him he's going to die, and Hezekiah gives God a defense on why God should let him live a little longer. This is interesting. Check it out. It's in Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1 through 5. Later, Hezekiah got sick. He got sick, and he was about to die, and the prophet Isaiah said to him, prepare your affairs in your family. This is it. Hey, buddy, so the prophet of God comes and tells him, hey, this is it, you ain't going to make it. Like, like, cash in all the stock, right? Disperse it among your whoever. Oh, not that one, not that boy, not that girl. They squandered what they've already been living on. Give it to the other one, right? Because hey, people don't give equal share. I'm going to start meddling right here, okay? What response when responsibility comes, that's how it's divvied out. Come on, everybody. Just saying. God, God tells him, he says, hey, you're gonna die. And he tells him through the prophet Isaiah, prepare your affairs. This is it. You're not going to get well. I, I don't know about you, but if the prophet of God stood before me and says, Hey, just stop praying. Stop praying about it. You're gonna die. It's not going well with you. You, you, right now, you got a lot of people in the prayer chain. Just tell them, hey, just start making dishes. Gonna need some, gonna, gonna need some potato salad and and some fried chicken. Come on, funeral sandwiches. You know what I'm saying? It says this: Hezekiah turned away from Isaiah, and facing the wall. Prayed to God. And he says this, God, please, I beg you, remember how I've lived my life. I've lived faithfully in your presence. I've lived out of a heart that was totally yours. You've seen how I've lived, the good that I have done. And then God said, okay. All right. I heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Here's what I'll do. I'll add 15 years to your life. Look up at me. Wow. Right? I mean, that's quite a moment. He, he talked God out of something. That God, God was ready just to punch him out. Just like, you're done. No more air for you. Things aren't going well in your world. It's time for the kingdom to transition. 29 years has been a long reign. I'm just going to turn the oxygen off to your lungs. Your brain's going to stop functioning. Your heart will quit beating. You're going to die. And, I, and Hezekiah's like, oh, Hez, right? He's just like, God, please. I did it well. I've been obedient. I've been faithful to you. Help me. I want, I want a little more time. And God's like, all right. I'll give you more time. How many right now know that you already don't have a chance? Right? I mean, I don't have a prayer. Right? Some of you on the way to work, you dis or the way to church, you disqualified yourself from this prayer right here being granted in your own life. I understand. He had lived a great life, but now it's time for him to die. And God says, okay, I'll give you a little more time. I think it's incredible. I want to ask you a question today. Here's my question. You see, here's the deal. Throughout this series, you're going to ask some questions. And I'm going to ask some questions. Here's my question for today. And I have a couple more, but here's, here's the one I want to start with is this. If God asks you to give him reasons why he should allow you to live 15 years longer, what would you say? Hez says, hey, look. I've lived the way you've wanted me to live. I've lived well. I've been faithful. God, I ask you to, I, I, I've done everything you've asked me to do. God, 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 here I am. I'm asking for a little more time. 
God reviewed it. What if God reviewed you the last 15 years of your life? And just said, let's base it on that. Moving forward, what would it, what would it be? What will you do with the rest of your life? Why are we so interested in our purpose as human beings? Five reasons in your notes. Write these things down. I think they'll help you. Number one, God wants me to center my life around him. He wants me to center my life around him. I talked a few weeks ago about relationships and friendship and how that we want to center our relationships around Christ. But he also wants us to center our life around him. And by the way, this is worship. That's what it is. It's worship. He, he, he doesn't want to be a piece of your life. God doesn't want to be some, someone or something you check in on once or twice a week. He, he, the, the, the Bible says that we're to seek first the kingdom of God. Yes? Seek first. Look what it says in Matthew 22. Matthew 22, 37, 38. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and soul and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So what, is it, what does it mean to center your life around God? It means that he becomes the nucleus, okay, the centermost part of everything that you are and what you do. The, the focal point of your life. A lot of people want... God is part of their life, right? I've got a vacation life, I've got a sports life, I've got a, I've got a work life, a business life, a social life, then I've got my God life, right? And, and, and listen, listen to me, God will not be a slice of your life. That's not how he rolls, right? He's central or he's out. You were made by God for God, and until we understand that, listen to me, life's not going to make sense. And you're going you're gonna to spend a lot of time frustrated that I thought it was this. I thought it was finances, so I gained some, and it's not that. I thought it was accolades, so I worked hard to receive them. It's not that. I thought it was popularity. It's not that. If we don't understand that we're made by God for God, life's going to be really frustrating. It's simply not going to make sense. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Right? God says, I want you to love me. I want you to, I want you to love me. God says... God doesn't say jump through this rule and that rule and this regulation and that ritual. He doesn't say that at all. There's some important things there, but he, he says for, first and foremost, love me. Love me. I want to be the hub. I want to be the center point of your life. I want to be the focus of all that you say and all that you do. And now the most important thing you can, you can do with your life is love God. That's the most important thing you'll ever do in life. It's not even love your kids. I love my kids. But I learn to love them by being loved by a heavenly father who loves me at a level that I will never achieve in my love for my children. And the most important thing that God wants you to do is to learn to love him and to him to love you back. Allow him to love you in return. The Bible calls this worship. It's what we do. Worship isn't singing songs. It's our heart of response, of love to a God who loves us. Come on, everybody. Whenever you focus on God, one of the things that happens is, listen, your problems get smaller. Your problems get smaller. When you have a big God, you get little problems. Okay? When you have big problems, your God looks littler. Okay? 
And, and so, so you, you've got to understand, God says, make me the center of your life. How do you know that, that, how do you know that your life is centered on God? How do I know, Pastor Derek, when I've got there, when, when my life is centered on him? Real simple. Real simple. Check this out. You don't worry like you used to worry. Now listen to me. I didn't say you won't worry at all. But it won't overwhelm you like it once did. Why? Because you have hope. You have hope. You have hope to hold on to. You have hope. You you know the one who knows what's coming tomorrow. You know. So you hold on to hope that you wouldn't have had any other way. You, You don't worry like you once worried. Worry is a sign that something has taken the center of your life and it's not God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says this, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7, incredible. So my question is this, how would you use an extra 15 years? If if God were to give them to you, would you use them to center your life on Him? And if not, what would you center your life on? I I ask you that question, what, what would you like for your life to be centered around? Career, money? Children, fame, popularity, what would it be? God says, center it around me. It's called worship. We worship him. Second thing that God wants you to do with your life is this. God wants me to connect, connect with other believers. This is fellowship. Okay? So we worship, then we fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together instead Let us encourage one another. When God put man on the earth, when he put him in the garden, he had everything he needed. Literally everything he needed. Yet God said of the situation, he's like, it's not good. It's not a good situation. Why? Because God knew it wasn't good for man to be alone. It wasn't good for man to be alone, okay? And it's still not good for man to be alone. Right, ladies? It's not good. Things happen. Right? Walls get torn down. Money gets spent. All sorts of things happen. Men are alone. Things die at my house. That's what happened. Right? Gail comes home. We're eating good. There's something else dead to hang on the wall. Come on, everybody. Came home last weekend. Had an elk and a deer. Let's go, somebody. Let's go. But we're eating good. I didn't kill either. Dylan killed the elk. My friend Jason killed the deer. I was along for the ride. I was the pack mule, and that is not a joke. I was the pack mule. (laughs) It's still not good for man to be alone. You know why? God hates loneliness. He hates loneliness. You were made for relationships. In life, you're just simply made. You were made to to love and be loved. Okay? Because you were made in the image of God himself. We know that God's in relationship. And so God wants us to connect with other believers. And he tells us this in Acts chapter 2. He tells us how. How many of you want to know how? The Bible's awesome. God says do this, and then he says this is how to do it. Check it out. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 42. Those who believed. So he's talking to who? Believers. He's talking to the church. He's talking to followers of Christ. He says those who believed were baptized. Okay? So look up at me. Step one, get baptized. If we're going to follow scripture, we got to believe, and then what? Get baptized. It's an awesome celebration, right? 
We'll call it a dunk party. We'll call it splashdown, whatever you want to call it. We'll do it. Right? Those who believed were baptized and added to the church. Check this one. They joined with other believers. So they became part of what? The family of the church. Discover class coming up. Come on, everybody. And this, all of these are just equally as important. And committed themselves. Committed themselves to one Sunday a month. Is that what it says? No. To the apostles, what? Teaching and fellowship. They worshiped together when? Excuse me? Come on, it can't be regularly. Regularly at the temple and met in small groups in homes. Oh, some of you are catching on. That's why we do that. Yes! I'm not creative enough to do it on my own. I just want to follow the book. Okay? That's why we do what we do. Now notice the order that God gives us when he's telling us how to live our lives. To the utmost success. If you're going to be successful, there's literally a manual here how to do it, right? In fact, Solomon's temple, back in Old Testament times, Solomon's temple had gigantic courtyards. Sometimes people today, they're like, you know, God ain't in them big churches. He, he likes little churches. He doesn't like the big ones. Like, where do they get that stuff? They like little churches because they want to know everybody there. That's fine. I like family reunions too. Right? But God wants everybody in his house. He wants his house full. Okay? So check this out. In, in Solomon's temple, they have these massive courtyards. Historians say they've unearthed these, the, the Solomon's temple, that over 100,000 people could be outside the temple courts just in the courtyard alone. 100,000 people. I've gone to a couple events with 100 plus thousand people. That's a lot of people. Okay? Imagine the number of rolls of toilet paper you would need. It's the things I think of. Come on, everybody. Right? During COVID, the gallons of hand sanitizer people would be bathing with. Craziness. Yeah. But check this out. Day to day, they met where? They met in homes. Day to day, they met in homes. And I'm telling you, and I know I sound like a broken record, and I don't apologize. You need a small group. And if you're not in one, start one. Go for it. Well, you know, I tried and it just wasn't for me. Well, it was biblical, so it's for you. Well, I didn't like that one. There is no way, no reason why you shouldn't do your own. Hello? Gather the people you want there. And go for it. Um, if you need help starting one, ask me. I've started a bunch of them, right? How, how do you do it? Gather people. This is how I do it. Gather people. Eat something. They will come. Right? And do life together. Be supportive of one another. When life comes at that group of people, and you may, you may have prayer time, you may have Bible study, you may do all sorts of things, you may just eat. But when life comes, you've got a group of people that love you, are with you, support you, care for you, will call you, will be there for you. Come on. Come on. And, and so often in church world today, people are like, and we hear about these things way after the fact. Well, you know, I just don't understand because... We were going through this and no one even called. Well, no one even knew because you've been so cut off. Come on. 
Here's what I know. I have to now be intentional about what's going on in my daughter's life. Why? Because she doesn't live at my house anymore. She lives at college. So I have to call her. She has to call me. If she needs something from mom and dad, if she needs that connection, if she needs to rely upon that relationship, she's got to check in every now and then. Hello? And she does it too for money. Just saying. Just, just saying. Right? <laughs> By the way, she loves Chick-fil-A gift cards. Just <laughs> so do I. But you already knew that. <laughs> if you isolate yourself from people, check this out. This is an incredible study. You are three times more likely to die an early death. Three times. Four times more likely to suffer emotional burnout. Five times more likely to be clinically depressed. And according to this study, check this out, if you are ten times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional or mental disorder. You are not here by accident. You are here by purpose. And it's not your purpose. It's God's purpose. And God has a plan for your life. And you want to live his plan because it's the best plan you could ever come up with anyway. Right? If, if, if God was going to give you 15 more years, what would you do with it? Would you use it to center your life around him? Connect with other believers? By the way, if you're not going to use it the way he intended, why should he give you another 15? By the way, he's the one that's causing it all to be held together. Every breath you exhale, it's really a worship and praise of God. Number three. God wants me to cultivate spiritual maturity. The third purpose of our life is God wants us to cultivate spiritual maturity. This is discipleship. I've, I've got three kids, and it would be tragic if they didn't grow up. Right? Now, I, love, I know we all love it when they're cute and cuddly and warm and fuzzy, and they dress all snuggly. Come on, everybody. I love that Noli's at the office because I get to hold her and, Hug on her. Come on. Right? She fell asleep with me the other day. I was like, okay, I, I'm napping now. Y'all all work. I'm napping now. It's nothing like napping with a baby on your chest. Come on. You know what I'm saying? But God wants us to grow. He wants us to cultivate spiritual maturity. If my kids didn't grow up, it'd be tragic. Because they were created to grow up. If we don't grow up spiritually, it's tragic. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1, let us go on and become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought to be. Let us go on, let us mature in our understanding, let us grow, let us apply what we're, what we're learning, what we're reading, right? What we're reading on our own, what we're learning on our own, not just what we're learning in service. He, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 by now you should be teachers. Instead, you still need someone to teach you. How do we grow up spiritually? You grow up by learning his word, by trusting his instruction, by loving his children, by worshiping his character, and by developing the character of Christ. The Bible calls all that discipleship. And it's the purpose, one of the purposes of life. God, God says, I want you to grow up some, grow, grow in, in spiritual maturity. I want you to grow spiritual muscle, right? You, you got to grow. You got to develop. How do you know when you're mature? Physically, physically, we're told that, how, how do we know when we're mature? Physically, at the base level, it's when you can reproduce physically. That's when a, an, a, that's when a, a, a human being is what they call mature, a mature age is, is when you can reproduce. You know when you're repro you know when you're growing when you're growing and maturing spiritually when you're reproducing spiritually. By the way you're living, what you're saying, how you're conducting life, if that's affecting people toward God, 
come on. Then there's a spiritual maturity that's happening. And, and God uses all kinds of things to help us grow. All kinds of things. Trials. Truth. He uses groups of other people to help us grow. How many of you have been helped there? All kinds. One of the most difficult things is problems. Problems come. Undoubtedly, one of the answers, one of the questions we'll answer in this series is, why do we face the problems we face? Why do people face, why do innocent children face the horrific things sometimes that they face? When problems come, why do problems come to God's people? Why, why do bad things happen? I'll tell you this, every problem has a purpose that we can learn from. You see, when you, when you go through difficulty, you don't ask why, instead ask what. What can I learn? How can I grow? What can I do? What can I do different? Right? Not why. Why is me doesn't really help you much. Every problem is either a stepping stone to maturity or a stumbling block to immaturity. Number four, God wants me to contribute something back. He wants wants us to contribute back. This is called ministry. This is ministry. God wants us to leave the world a better place. How many of you know that to be true? Right? Even the non-believer wants that. They want to leave the world a better place. Giving something back is in all of us because we were created in the image of God. That's why it's in all of us. It's something we all long to do. Jesus said, to learn to be great, you've got to learn to serve. You're going to be great. You've got to serve. That's how greatness is established. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, in the Living Bible, it says, God has given each of you some spiritual abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. That's why in our, in our, in our Discover class, we do a spiritual assessment, a spiritual disciplines test or an assessment to know what are what, what, where's your heart? What are, you, what are you just driven to want to do? Right? Because if you're, if you're somebody who loves kids and loves to care for children, we might need your help with children. We're going to background check you first because you might be a creep. Okay? We don't want creeps with our kids. I'll kill you. I'll do it. I've already prayed about it. I have the tools and the know-how. I got some land. I got a tractor. And the DA ain't here today. Okay. Um, but if if you if you hate children, we don't want you with children. We got a mop bucket for you. A vacuum with your name on it. We got a towel. Come on. <laughs> How do you serve God on earth? How do you serve Him on earth? I can't even see Him with my eyes. How do I serve Him? Well, you do it by serving others. You do it by serving others. Jesus said, even if you give a cup of cold water in my name to the least of these, you're doing it unto me. Even if you clothe the naked, warm the cold. Come on, everybody. Right? The Bible calls it ministry. Anytime you use your talent, your shape. I didn't put this in your notes. You might want to write this down. Just write shape down, okay? Shape. Shape. Spiritual gifts, abilities, personality, and experiences. Shape. You're like, where's the H? There's not one. I only had four. Spiritual abilities or spiritual gifts, abilities, personality, and experiences. When you use what God has given you to help other people, that's ministry. So those of you who help people in your daily job, welcome to the team. You're a minister. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a minister. Come on, turn him. T- tell him, you're a minister. Minister so-and-so. Tell him, minister so-and-so. 
Some of you like, you said, some of you are like, they are a so-and-so. Well. Listen, not everyone's a pastor, but everyone is a minister. This was an interesting research. Did you know that one half, that's a big percentage, one half of men in New York City die within two years of retirement. Why? It's because we're not designed for 24 hours of leisure. Come on. The whole purpose of life is not to get to do nothing. Some of you right now, you're bummed. You're like, ah, I've been trying to convince her. That's not living. We're made to do something with our lives. One day God is going to ask you, what would you do with what I gave you? What would you do with the days I gave you, the air I gave you? In fact, if, if God chooses to give you tomorrow, and none of us are promised that, but if God chose, chooses to give you tomorrow, then you need to pray the prayer that David prayed in Psalm chapter 16. He said this in 116, verse 12, What can I give back to God for the blessings that He's poured out on me? God, what can I do today to somehow, Repay you for all that you've done. Now, we'll never repay him. Come on, everyone. We'll never really But we can ask God, God, what can I do? How can I serve your people? How can I serve the world around me? What can I do today to make a difference? Right? It's in all of our hearts to make a difference. I know some very famous people. Okay? I know some people that are stupid wealthy. They're fat daddy rich. Okay? Let's, let's call it that. Okay? Let me tell you, success does not equal significance. Status does not equal significance. Salary does not equal significance, right? Significance equals giving your life away. Found it right there. And we're giving our life away when that's what we've become, that's what we've been created to be. Right? When we become when we do that, that's we're becoming what we've we've been created to do. So where are you making a selfish contribution? And where are you making a contribution that's helping the the, the rest of the world around you? Right? And and what what is a significant way to pour out your life, your life right now? What would be a significant way? Write something down. If God gives it to you, write it down. And let me ask you this. If it's not significant now, will it matter in 50 years? You might want to rethink that. I had to completely rechange my course in life. I thought state championships, coaching a high school football team, was what would be significant for me. Guess what I found out? It's just a stupid ball. Now, the time I got to spend with those young men would be life-changing. I don't discount that one moment. And if that's where you are, pour your heart into it. Give them all you got and look for what's going to happen in the next 50 years of their life. Serve them. But don't do it for some banner in some stupid gym that won't even be there in 50 years. No one will know your name or your kid. So where are my contributions being godly? Where are they being selfish? Listen, you have a message and you have a mission. You have a ministry in this world. Let me remind you that in the scope of eternity, the time we spend on this earth, just a, it's just a blink of an eye. But eternity is set before us all. It's set before us all. So what are we going to do when we get there? What are we going to do for all of eternity? Here's what I'll give you. We're going to love God, right? That's worship. We're going to love each other. That's fellowship. We're going to grow in, in our faith in God more. We're going to see him face to face. That's discipleship, right? We're going to serve 
God in heaven. That's ministry. Now, what does God want you to do while you're here? Practice all the same stuff. It's good enough for there. It's certainly good enough for here. Come on, church. It's good enough for here, right? But there's one more thing. There's one more thing that God wants you to do while you're here on the earth. I want you to practice all those things, but here's one more. Number five, write this down in your notes. And the worship team, if you'll help me. God wants me to communicate his love. Communicate his love. This is outreach. This is loving people outwardly. This is outreach. It's, it's, this is our purpose. Come on, church. Come on. We're to love the world around us, right? Once you understand that God loves you, he wants you to communicate that to the rest of the world, right? If that's lost on us, church, we'll never do the Great Commission. We'll never tell other people about Jesus. We'll never complete our purpose on the earth if we're not telling other people, if we're not communicating his love to the world around us. If I knew the cure for cancer and I didn't share it with anyone else, it'd be criminal. I know something way better than the cure for cancer. We gotta share it with the world. Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. We know how to have our past forgiven and we know how to receive a purpose for living and we know how to have a home in heaven. God wants us to share that. He wants us to give that away. He wants us to tell everybody. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Through Christ, God has made peace between us and himself. And he gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace that we can have with him. So we have been sent to speak for Christ. So where are we supposed to share God's plan? Everywhere. Literally everywhere. There's nowhere we're, we're to keep our mouths shut. At work, at school, at home, with our relatives. But Pastor Derek, our kids can't take God to school. Yeah, they can. You can't keep God from somewhere. I've led a lot of kids to Jesus on that high school campus. Everywhere people are, we need to share God's love. Yes? Listen, the greatest gift that you can give your friends is to come to know Jesus. It's the greatest thing you'll ever give them. For them to know his purpose for their lives. So what are you going to, who are you going to tell? Who are you going to tell? Who are you going to do life with? Who are you going to link arms with and share your faith with? Who are you going to rally with? How are you going to share those things with other people? By your words, right? And by your life. Here's what I want to do. I want to conclude today with Number one, if you need to walk with Jesus, give him your life. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He came to earth to live his life, to die on the cross for your sins, for the sins of the entire world. He was resurrected on the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave so that you might know what redemptive life is all about. That your sins once kept you bound now God has set you free. He paid the penalty of your debt so that you can live a new life. The Bible says you believe that, you trust in him, that you shall be saved. You shall be saved. I, I can't encourage you enough. It's why I get up every day. It's why I do what I do. It's why I live in this city so that people might know him. Come on, church so that people might know him. Here's what I want to invite you to do. Number one, if that's you, if you don't know him, but you want to know him, man, let's pray together. 
right? Let's pray together. Let's start a journey of your life where you're walking down the path of getting to know that Jesus, getting to know him, right? Let's do that. Secondly, here's what I want you to do. And you may be, you haven't even prayed the prayer yet, but you want to respond to the second part of this. That's fine. I'm all for it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down one, two, three, four, five, somewhere on your Bible, on this piece of notepad, whatever it is that you've been given. And I want you to write hit list across the top. I've done this with countless hundreds, maybe thousands of teenagers, and I'll do it with you adults today. This is your hit list. I call it a hit list because I call it a hearts in transition list. Five people that you're going to be praying for. You're going to commit to praying for them that they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That they commit their life to Him. Five people. Five people. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to invite them to every, every week the rest of the series. Every week. Every week I'll give an opportunity for people to be saved. Every week. It's part of the culture of our church. We do that every week. Yes? Every week they can come closer to Him. Every week we want to give you an opportunity to, to do just what we've talked about today and fulfill the purpose that God has for all of us to live the life that God has for all of us. Come on, church. To love and be loved. And when we're loved, we love other people. And we know the, the greatest love that we've, ever been, that we've ever received is that someone laid their life down for us. When we set our pride aside and pray, when we set our pride aside and invite them, we set our pride aside. It, well, Pastor Derek, I don't know. Maybe they have spiritual questions that I don't have the answer of. Get, look at me. I'm the pastor. I might not know the answers. We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all maturing. Come on, everybody. Right? Don't be afraid of that stuff. Invite them to come to know Jesus. Invite them to fellowship with us. Invite them. Minister. Come on. Minister to the people in your lives. What do you say? Stand to your feet all over this room. God, I love you so much. Thank you for allowing me to preach your word. Thank you for allowing your word to go forth and to ch touch and affect the lives of people. Every time it's declared, your word actually says that it does not return void, but it accomplishes what it's set out to do. So God, today we've asked the question, it's been asked, how do I know my purpose for living? You declared it throughout your word. We're created in your image and in your likeness. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.